Hi, my name is David Siegler and welcome to my podcast. Hi, property sourcing profiteers, everybody out there in property sourcing land, sourcing deals for profit. This is the podcast for you. And um, over the last couple of weeks, I've had some really bright young things come into the industry. They want to package deals and they've latched on to the fact that HMO, HMO sourcing properties uh, that are appropriate for HMO uh, investors is a great way to add value for your potential investors. And I get it. I hear it. I've been involved in something over 40 back-to-brick HMOs now uh, for investors. Um, and uh, I've lived through what I see my young friends living through now. And uh, I'm just going to try and give you a few pointers, tips, helping hand along the way, uh, what the roadblocks are, where you might stumble, what I've heard, what I'm going to share. And, uh, you know, maybe, just maybe, when uh, we're all ready to go again, January 4th, 5th, 6th, whenever your Christmas and New Year comes to an end, uh, you can get out there and find properties that are appropriate for HMO investors because... Let's be honest, guys, not only return better for the uh, HMO investors, but you can earn a significant fee in um, acquiring one of these and getting it bashed into shape. So how do you start? Where do you go about it? Um, What do you do? Well, right, viewing is the key. The viewing of the property is the key. And I always start with the floor plans before I even go and see the property. So I'm not really too worried about the um, condition of the property because we're going to tear it apart anyway. You know, we're going to make significant changes in any event. Um, But, you know, before I go and have a look, I I need to have a look at the potential room sizes. I'm going to come back to all this, right, and talk about room sizes and condition. Uh, I've got room sizes, the layout, the flow of the building, whether there's a cost-effective way of adding more space. Who knows if that's going to be possible? Um, So I want to start talking about what I've seen, what I've heard from friends coming into the industry, maybe trying to do this for the first time. Where do they go wrong? Where are the stumbling blocks? Okay. So first you have to decide what is your HMO model? What are you trying to do? Okay, so maybe you're going to go for a shared facilities uh, model. Now, uh, shared facility is basically not knocking any walls around, right? So you're going to keep the family house layout as the family house, but you're going to re- um, allocate rooms as bedrooms which might not be bedrooms at this point so the obvious one if you, if you go into a property if it's got two reception rooms and the kitchen at the back uh, then maybe the front reception room you would make into a bedroom okay so this is the um, low cost option for getting into HMO it's uh, the multi-lap model you can increase your rent roll or your investor's rent roll uh, by taking on and running and operating one of these, right? So it's a cash flow driven um, operation. So uh, where I'm where I'm uh, based in around Peterborough now, maybe, maybe you find a smallish 
family home that fits the footprint. It's not that small. Okay. Fits the footprint. Um, maybe that would, you, you would get it as a family home on a rental of eight, nine hundred pound a month, but by reconfiguring, just turning, um, reception rooms, other rooms into bedrooms and maintaining the shared facilities of kitchen, bathroom, um, uh, communal area where people can go and sit. Uh, watch TV and socialise, whatever. Uh, then you're going to lift the rent roll from eight, nine hundred pound a week to maybe eighteen, nineteen hundred pound a week, depending on the quality. I hear you. You know, before you you start shouting at your <laughs> at your laptop or whatever you're listening to this on, right? Uh, depending on the quality and where it is in relation to uh, demand for jobs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Okay, that's the most cost effective way of doing it. Now, the big sums that you have to worry about here are, first of all, uh, do not go to five bedrooms. Uh, You can go to five bedrooms, right? But the truth is then you're going to need an HMO license uh, in most of the United Kingdom. So do try not to go to uh, five bedrooms, okay? However, there are pockets of the United Kingdom, and Peterborough is one, where there is additional licensing for um, HMO. So if you go to five bedrooms over any floor plan uh, in in the United Kingdom, anywhere in the United Kingdom, um, uh, anywhere in England and Wales, forgive me, anywhere in England and Wales, then uh, you're going to need an HMO license. But there are places in England in particular where if you've got less room. So in Peterborough, you need an HMO license if you've got three beds or more. Okay, so there's nothing wrong with needing an HMO license. It just means you've got to tick the box for the model that you're presenting and the number of beds, the number of people in in the um, who are going to be living in the house. So you're going to need fire doors. You're going to need the appropriate fire system. You're going to need um, intumescent strips. They usually come with the doors, right? Um, you're going to need basic uh, amenity facilities. So how big is the kitchen? How many sets of cupboards you're going to have? All of that. I I can't give you the exact number because it varies from authority to authority. So you need to have all that information at your fingertips. Um, At the other end of the spectrum, the one that I like, the one that I very much support and my investors like it too, is the full-on suite model. So I tend not to do the shared facility model, and I don't mix them either. So um, if you've got a shared facility model with four bedrooms, say, and you've got one family bathroom, if you can squeeze in another ensuite somewhere, so maybe you've got um, ground floor WC, right, under the stairs or something like that. Uh, if you've got the headroom, if you've got the space, right, you, maybe you can set up another ensuite so that four people are not sharing one bathroom. But, you know, if that's all you've got, then that's all you've got, okay? I prefer to produce a model where each tenant has their own facilities up to an extent so they can, they've got a nice big bedroom plus an ensuite, okay, in their room. So they've got their own facilities there. Uh, There is a shared kitchen stroke common room, right, where people can meet, and that 
depends, the size of that depends on what the amenity facilities are at your local authority. So I like the ensuite model. Why do you like it, David? I like it because it's a high quality product and you get the highest amount of returns, okay? And we can go to six bed. This is the sweet spot. If you can find a house that's big enough for six ensuite rooms, you can do that under permitted development. You do not have to get planning, okay? Seven, eight bedders are great. Uh, you've got to go through the planning process. Uh, so long as you, the investor and everyone's prepared for that eventuality, then that's cool, okay? So we've got at one end of the spectrum, in my view, the shared facility model where you just um, squeeze an extra tenant or two in, right, to raise the cash flow on the property for a period of time. Or you've got what is in my uh estimation long-term hmo uh project right because once you've turned a house say it's a five bed once you've uh, turned it into a five bed all on suite hmo it no longer functions as a family home you don't find many family homes with no bathroom but five shower rooms right you don't find that uh, as you go around the house so you're making fundamental alterations here so the ensuite model we want high quality uh, rooms in the right areas to get the highest returns okay so the rooms the kitchen and the ensuite have to be really nice quality you've got to have a builder that knows what you're doing i'm going to come back to the builder okay um, this is the maximum value add for um, our investor so on to the question that is always asked money in money out okay so again my model my personal model is to work with investors who have got the cash to purchase and pay for the um, refurbishment works, the conversion into five-bed all-on-suites, um, and then we refinance after the event. How much money in that situation is your investor going to leave in? I think at the moment, and I'm speaking right at the end of 2020, at the moment, I think it is challenging to get lenders to uh, release um, the amount of money that investors want released. Let me try, I'll just put it that way, okay? So um, a typical project for a five, six-bed HMO where we are working, you might buy the house for 220 230 at the moment, at the time of speaking. You might spend 60 70 grand uh, on the conversion. Um, it's a good quality conversion. I find, as a rule of thumb, I mean, this is very much finger in the air, guys, but I mean, so don't hold me to it, but it gives you a guide. Um, I find we spend around 10 to 12 grand per room for a, an all-on-suite, all-on-suite um, refurbishment. So I'll come back, I'll come back to the, uh, the multi-let model in a minute where there's no on-suite. So for an all-on-suite um, model, I think if you as a rule of thumb allow 10 to 12 grand per room, so if you've got five ensuite bedrooms going in, that's 50 grand plus, don't forget the kitchen area as well, it's another room, so six, six bedrooms, six rooms there in total, okay, uh, 10 to 12 grand a room, that's 60 to 70 grand, right, that, that's a realistic refurb. Now, if you are going for the multi-let model, i.e., you're, all you're doing is redesignating rooms as bedrooms, okay, and doing the doing the fire and safety um, criteria as prescribed by the local authority. You can do that much cheaper. 
you know, you might get that done for 30, 35 grand. You might, you know, depending on the property itself. Um, but here's the thing about that, you know, if you've got a cash buyer for that model and you, you add 30, 35 grand to, to the conversion cost, then you're probably not going to get that money back out again um, when it comes to refinance. So you can go in for cash, you can add value at the multi-let model, um, not bashing walls about, and you're going to leave a significant money amount of money in pro rata. The challenge now at the end of 2020 is how much money you can get out on the ensuite model. Now, it's been a long, long, long time, unless in very, very specific circumstances, that you could get all or most of your money out. I don't want anyone listening to this to go away and say, Dave said you could get all your money out on the HMO conversion. You can't right? You can't, and you haven't been able to, from my personal experience, six, seven years now. It's six, seven years since people uh, were talking about that. One or two people are still talking about that. I don't know how they do it. I can't get it done, okay? So if you're going to leave money in, how much are we going to leave in on the ensuite model? And typically, on a project that costs, we've already covered the um, the basic costs. So there's the uh, the house is going to cost 222.30. We're going to spend 60, 70 grand. So we're up over 300,000 pounds on one of these projects now. We might have to leave 70, 80 grand in. We might. Okay. Um, and, you know, bearing in mind, we're going to raise the net rent roll, the net rent roll to something like. 1700 1800 a month net after all costs. So if we've got six rooms, at uh, you know five fifty six hundred pound a month, right? We're we're up around three and a half grand a month. Uh, if we allocate half of that money to costs, which is a you know a safe number, it probably won't cost that. But let's say we lose fifty percent, so we get seventeen fifty a month net. Um, that's uh, what is it? Nearly twenty grand net a year. Twenty grand net, leaving seventy eighty grand in. You're still talking around 25 to 30% return on your capital. If you divide the 20 grand uh, net by net rent roll by the 70, 80 grand you leave in, you know, 20 to 30% return on capital, depending on the exact numbers. That, that's pretty good deal at this time when you bear in mind negative interest rates and what else were they, other returns they'd be getting on their money. Uh, so looking at it another way, three years, you know, three and a half years, all the money would be out of that deal, okay? And and after that, you know, they got their money back and, you know, it's cash flowing on a monthly basis. So, you know, that's not bad. That's not, I don't think that's bad. Uh, and it's not about me. My investors don't think it's bad, right? So we've got investors buying at that level. So it's absolutely key. So how do you know if you can do an ensuite model, which I... I I think you all should do, but it's harder, okay? It's harder. Why? Okay, why is it harder? First of all, the floor plans. So the viewing is key, I said at the beginning. What are you looking at? You're looking at room sizes, because if you're going to go for the ensuite model, pretty much wherever you are in England, right, your room size has to be over 10 square metres for the bedroom plus the ensuite. Ensuite, the smallest ensuite you can realistically do is probably two square meters, and that's tight, right? You know, you don't want to have a shower with one foot in the toilet, and you know, 
looking in the mirror over the basin at the same time, right? So you've got to have a reasonable amount. We, we all want showers bigger than that. But sometimes needs must, right? So two square metres, <coughs> excuse me, generally the smallest en suite. So you're going to need 10 square metres for the bedroom plus two square metres plus bits and pieces. So 10, 12 and a half to 13 square metres as a minimum for each room. And you're going to want that five or six times. So that is a challenge. You're not going to find many houses that fit that model. But you will find houses that fit that model. We are finding them. And um, the viewing is key. You know, And you can find out very quickly whether that's going to work from the floor plans. So if it's with an estate agent, estate agents usually post floor plans that you can have a look at, see if your HMO will rock and roll. Um, if that works, right, if you think it works, then go and have a look on physically, physically go and have a look. So uh, this is a very efficient use of your time, okay? I'm not asking you to charge round all over wherever it is that you're based, looking at properties that all um, um, measure up for a five, six bed all on suite model, right? You can do it sitting in your office, in your home, wherever you work, right, online, okay, looking at floor plans. Uh, a little drawback I've found, sometimes uh, estate agents will put the floor plans on, but without the dimensions of the rooms. Then you're a bit lost, then you've got to go and view it. But, you know, it, what will happen is you'll start to get to know your area, and you'll know that houses in a particular area probably are not a big enough footprint so you can discount them equally you'll know the area the area of your uh, town city where houses do have the sufficient footprint and they're very very much worth a viewing right and just occasionally in between the areas you're going to get roads and i i you know there is a road when i was working in manchester there's one or two roads close to the royal oldham hospital which is where we wanted to work uh, quite a lot and um, it was very mixed there. So you could have terrace, and these were terraced houses. Um, you could have mid-terraces, which were tiny, you know, it was never going to work. And you could have mid-terraces, mid-terraces, not end-terraces, mid-terraces, which were significantly big enough uh, in order for the ensuite model. So those sort of areas you've got to go and view. Right, where do friends make mistakes? Okay, so one is the footprint right? What's your model? What is the footprint? How it's going to go? The location, right? Location is key. Why? Because that affects rental demand. Do uh, tenants want to live in rooms in the house where you found the house, right? And this isn't just a black and white, do tenants want to live in those areas? This is more... Um, can you are you going to get lower rental rates because if you're going to try and get a yield driven valuation we've spoken about this on the, on the podcast before yield driven valuation based on room rents okay um if you go to a place where uh, instead of i talked about 550 to 600 a month you're going to get 450 to 500 pound a month if you multiply that up over the year then uh, you're going to leave significantly more in than your 70, 80 grand for the ensuite model, which we spoke about earlier in this episode, right? So the location of the house is key. Why? Because it's going to determine rental rates. And it's going to determine demand. So 
near the city centres are cool. Near your town centre, walking distance from the t- middle of the town, walking distance from the hospitals, walking distance from large employers, right? Those are the places where you're going to get the best rental returns for your investors. Okay, moving on to builders. Builders are another hefty, hefty leg of the tripod that you're going to rest this model on. And if this leg breaks, stumbles, crumbles, right, it's going to affect the result. So builders, builders, um, you need a great builder, guys. You do. Can they do the job? Do they understand the job you're asking them to do? Have they done it before? So where do you find someone who can do it? Okay. Referral and recommendation has to be the best way of doing this. You have to talk to people who uh, have been building in the area, developing in the area, maybe putting together HMOs in the area, and and ask them who they could who who they could recommend. Okay, so the obvious is a couple of pitfalls here. First of all, if they've got someone really really good and they've got a lot of work in the pipeline, they're probably not going to share his details with you. Okay, uh, but they might be working in a different. Uh, area. So um, I know, right, I know a very successful developer in and around Peterborough who has recommended to me one of his builders who, you know, we don't we don't clash in any way. We're a very different model. Also, the builder that he recommended is a very significant size builder. So he's got many teams. He's not a one-man band builder, okay? So he's got many b- teams. He understands the projects. He understands the amount of work that's required and he's got teams that he can shuffle around right or maybe uh to if he's got a gap in his diary the builder if the builder's got a gap in the diary he can he can park one of his teams on your project and move it along rapidly because those guys tend to work really quickly okay and then you know when he moves them on he'll put another team in which has just come to the end of a project uh to to co- provide continuation so that's key as well so builders are key watch out for the quotes okay now obviously you don't want to go too high if the quote's too high you can't do it i gave you the indication at the start of this episode 10 to 12 grand a room for the ensuite model but what if they come in at half that what if they say they can do the whole thing for 30 35 grand alarm bells guys alarm bells and i'm talking about my own experience here because in the early days somebody told me that yeah we can do that for 35 grand dave i said great oh yeah when can you start let's get going right and you know you give them 10 grand up front to get going for materials and stuff like that and it crumbles the whole thing crumbles because they can't get near. They can't get near the quality and the amount of work needs to be done for, for 35 grand, five bed all on suite. They can't do it. It just can't be done. Okay. So um, make sure they're not too high, the builder's bids, and make sure they're not too low, right? Because too low will keep you awake at night. I promise you that. Okay. So this has been just a quick step, really, through. Uh, more than a waltz or a paso doble. It's been a quick step through stacking an HMO deal as a deal packager for your investors. Okay, what are the key points? Floor plans. Floor plans are the key. Viewings. Viewings and floor plans. If you get the viewing and the floor plan right, day one, then that sets you on the way to have a happy project. What are your options? Your options are the multi-let model, i.e., 
not changing the family house into uh, anything that doesn't flow as a family house. You just may be changing a reception room into an extra bedroom or, you know, depending on what you find in the house, that's how it rolls, okay? But you're basically using shared facilities. Great for cash flow, increases cash flow. It's not going to increase the value of the property over and above the the rest of the market ebbs and flows. That's how this house will ebb and flow, okay? The other way of doing it is the full ensuite model, which I love, embrace, adore, because... Uh, you significantly uh, increase cash flow for that property and also you can increase value over time, okay? You might you might get a yield-driven valuation in a property where you've transformed the property so it no longer functions as a family home. It's now, in effect, a commercial entity, right? You are renting it by the room uh, and that's totally cool. Uh, so you might get um, a yield-driven valuation for that. But at this current time in the market, what I'm hearing, right, and I've got no, I can't put anything in front of you and say this is, you know, this is, in, this is it in black and white, guys, right? What I'm hearing is that lenders are loath to um, value on a yield-driven basis at the moment. You tend to get bricks and mortar valuations and you tend, even though you've spent that 60, 70 grand, you tend not to get um, a, a, a pro rata increase in the value of the property, however way they value it. Now, so that's, that's a little bit hard, uh, but I think that will turn. So I think as far as investors are concerned, right, if they want to get the maximum amount of money out, that's totally cool. I get with that. I understand, right? Might have to do it in tranches. Might have to take what we can get today and then look at it again in two, three years' time when that property's been running and you've got accounts and you can show that it works and you've got real room rates and you've got real retention rates and, and all of that sort of thing. That helps as well. Okay, and watch out for the builders, guys. The builder, the builder can do you in if you've got the wrong builder. Do you in? Well, you know what I mean. It can it can prove fatal to the success of the project. So you need a decent builder on it. Cool. I'm going to pause this here. I hope it's helped. Um, that what's prompted me to 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 do this episode is that I've had people coming to me packages new packages saying you know does this work does this work does this work and the sort of things I've had to share with them are what I've shared with you in this episode so if you're out there sourcing for HMO project you should do that you absolutely should that it's a great way to serve your investors it's a great way to increase your fees your return on the deals, uh, get out there, look at the floor plans, do the viewings. That's the key that opens, that's the gateway that opens to the HMO world. You're gonna sell all of them, it's gonna be great. Thank you for listening. I am David Siegler, see you on the next episode. <laughs>